If you would, take your copy of God's Word or or find a Bible in front of you or an app or, or however you can to get to it and turn to the book of Colossians. You'll find our text today in chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, and we are uh, working through the book of Colossians verse by verse, and the, uh, the emphasis of the book of Colossians is Christ in you, Christ in you. What, uh, what does it mean that you are in Christ? Uh, this terminology, this, this concept Paul's going to uh, introduce and reiterate and go over in, in multiple different ways that in light of false teachers that have come to uh, the church, that have tried to detract from the importance of Christ and the importance of our lives in Christ, Paul points us back to that foundation that you are uh, sufficiently prepared for everything that you need to honor and glorify God in your life if you have Jesus and Jesus is in you. We're not looking for anything else. Amen? All right, and so that's what we have been uh, looking through. And today I want to talk to you uh, from this passage about growing in Christ, growing in Christ. And this past week, being in Kansas City and with the the death of my grandfather, um, we did what you always do, and we went through some pictures. And so I I found one. That's that sharp-looking guy in the bottom right there is me at eight years old, and my great-grandfather, and my father, and my grandfather, and my uncle, and that's all the Wilsons right there. And, uh, you know, obviously I've grown. Um, my own kids, as I think about them, I look through some pictures and um, here's some pictures of them. It's hard to believe right now that they used to be this small um, because kids do what? They grow. Um, we got another one. There we go. That was, a, that was a great one. Krista got the dog to smile in that picture. Um, <laughs> And we had a goat, yes. Do you have a family picture with a goat? Um, but again, you know, we look at our pictures and we look at children and we go, oh, you know, look at how much they've grown. Look at how small they were. Um, and the next one, I started crying when I saw this one. That's Kyla. One month from today, she'll be able to get a learner's permit. <laughs> And there she is trying to drive the car back then. I got, I'm trying, hold on. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Uh, you can go ahead past it. The truth is, though, that children grow. We see children grow. We want them to grow. They're, the, what they want to do is grow. If, if they're not growing, something is wrong, right? We go to all of these doctor's checkups, and they rate your child against the average, and they, they tell you that they're above average or they're below average on something because we're constantly measuring them. We're constantly looking. We constantly want to see that there is growth taking place. Let me ask you a question. Are you growing in your Christian life? Are you growing as a disciple? Does it matter? Have you thought about it? Have you considered it? Another question is, what does does growth look like as a Christian? We read in the Bible about growing, being more mature in Christ. What, what, What does that look like? How do we measure that? What are the standards which we could look at and say we're we're above average or below average? It's kind of tricky. But Paul writes to the Colossians here, and this is part of his prayer. And in it, he's giving them some encouragement 
and looking for the fact that they are growing in Christ. They are growing in Christ. We too, if we're disciples, we should want to be growing in Christ. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is, I've I've told you this before, I think that the best analogy for what a disciple is in our current culture, the word by which we can understand it the best, the concept, is an apprentice. One who learns from another and does those things. Sometimes when we associate discipleship with just learning, we, 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 we mitigate it to just learning and teaching. But Jesus in the Great Commission, when he tells the church, to the apostles, to go and make disciples, when he commands us and gives us the marching orders to, to go into all nations and make disciples, he says to teach them to obey all that I have commanded. So I think that the concept of discipleship is best thought of as apprenticeship. We are apprentices of Christ. We are those like in a workplace. If you were called to have someone under you and you were to teach them that trade, we too are disciples who are also disciplers. We should have people in our life, other Christians, individuals who are younger in the faith, if we're mature in the faith, that we are helping to disciple, helping to grow in the faith. And so the concept and the idea of growth and growth in Christ should be important to all Christians. It should be important to us to look and to ask and evaluate to ourselves and say, am I growing in Christ? As a pastor, one of my tasks is to, to feed you and to help develop you and to, to mold you and, and to look for, for places where we need to grow and we need to move and we need to be more like Jesus. So I'm constantly thinking about how can we, how can we grow in Christ? How can we grow in Christ? If you have your text, look with me. Chapter 1 of Colossians, and let me read for you verses 9 through 12. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share with the inheritance of the saints in light. Would you pray with me? (laughs) Father, we thank You We thank you for life. As we think today about growing in Christ, we thank you for life. We thank you for our natural life, but we also thank you for spiritual life, to be born again and to grow in you. And I pray today that that all of us would have a burden to know you more, to serve you more, to want to, to be like you more, that we would have this desire, as Paul writes about to the church here, that we would want to please you in our life. We would want to please you with that which we've done because you are great and worthy be praised. Father, today, I pray that we would see Jesus. We would see His beauty and His value and His love. 
And Lord, that you, through the work of your Spirit and your Word, would motivate us that we would desire to follow you more, that we would take on a goal to grow in Christ. Help us now to do so through your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I want to remind you on the outset, this is a prayer. What we see here from verses 3 through uh, 13 through 14 is Paul writing uh, to this church that he had never been to. He knew that they were suffering. The, the leader of the church had come to Paul, and he had talked about all the difficulties that they were having and how false teachers were leading away many in the church. And so Paul writes to the, the, remem- the Rembrandt, ugh, remnant, the, the believing ones that are there that are left, and he writes to strengthen them, and he writes to encourage them, and he writes from the very beginning that even though he's never met them in person, he knows of them He knows of their love for the brothers. He knows of their love for Jesus. He knows of their desire to please God. And so from that prayer, I want us to look and and think about this concept of of growth, of how to grow in Christ. There's four things here that that he he gives as, as ways that we can see that we're pleasing God. We'll we'll get to that. He says, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with God's power so that we can endure trials and joyfully giving thanks to God for His salvation. He writes and he, he shows them. It's, it's instructive. Even though it's a prayer, it's instructive. He's, he's praying for them and he's saying, I, I want you to grow in pleasing God. I want you to grow in wisdom, spiritual wisdom, spiritual knowledge, and I want you to grow in these ways that please God with what you do. And so that's what I want us to look at today. There's, there's basically two divisions here that Paul talks about. The first is, is more of a uh, cognitive understanding and growth in the Lord. That he wants them to, to increase in knowledge and in wisdom. And so the first point that I want to tell you, share with you from this is that spiritual growth means that you are growing to know how God wants you to live. You are growing in your understanding. You're growing in your knowledge. You're growing not just to take a test, but you're growing in a way that you begin to know more and more what does it mean for me to please God in my life. And that's important for us as Christians. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. And maybe from the the very beginning of your life, you were given godly instruction and godly wisdom. And, And so you knew, even from an early age what it looked like to to please the Lord and to live for Him. But the Christian life is not just for those who grew up in a Christian home, is it? It's for all who would call upon the Lord from any walk, from any place, from any ditch of sin that you might find yourself in. If you call out to Jesus Christ, you will be saved. I feel like preaching a Billy Graham sermon right now. Right? The world's remembering Billy Graham. The beauty of Billy Graham's message is it was simple. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, if you know that you're a sinner and you need Jesus call out to him and he'll save you. And so 
You could be in that ditch and come to Jesus today, and your job then is to continue to want to grow and to know more about Christ. And to do so, you need to increase in your knowledge and your understanding. Look at at verse 9 here. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. And so what are they praying? What are they requesting? To ask that you be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, Paul's prayer here that the Colossians would be filled with the knowledge and the will of God I don't think primarily means um, this, this special secret will that we try to find and, and all of the funny things when we talk about the will of God sometimes and I want to be at the center of God's will and I'm trying to find the will of God and man, you'll find some funny things. Prayer fleeces and blankets and mats that you get down and all these things about how to find the will of God. If, this, is, this is an aside, but if you ever want to read a really good book about the will of God, it's called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. And, uh, and the whole point of it is where you are right now is where God's will is in that. So stop looking for something else and start doing it. But when he talks about the knowledge of God's will here, primarily what Paul is talking about is God's Word. If, if you want to know the will of God, the first place that you should go is to His Word. When somebody comes to me and says, God's will is this, my question is, Do you see it in Scripture? Do you see it in Scripture? And God isn't going to reveal to you in Scripture, Bob, you are to marry Krista. 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 I know. My allergies are killing me. So I am trying here. Ray, if if my voice goes, just pop up here, right here on the tablet, and keep going through the notes, okay? Um, It's all right here. But the point is, you're not going to read in the Bible and say, it, it says, Bob, you marry Krista. But you know what? When it came that time and, and I knew that I wanted to marry that beautiful lady over there, there were a lot of things in the Word of God that instructed me. She's somebody who a, has a strong faith. She's somebody who uh, is, is a godly woman. She's somebody who uh, will make a wonderful wife. You know, there's all of these passages in Scripture, somebody who will encourage me and support me. You know, there's all these passages in Scripture where I could say, yes, I do believe this is God's will for me, and from Scripture I see it. And so Paul's writing here and saying, I want you to have the knowledge of God's will. I want you in the midst of all these false teachers that are leading you astray, that are bringing in things that are not true, that are trying to convince you by the Scriptures of of different things. Again, we have some of the things that they're trying to say. Circumcision was a big thing. They're twisting Scripture. They're trying to get you to do something that you shouldn't do. I want you to be built up in God's knowledge. Why? Because if you have God's knowledge, you will be able to discern what's right and what's wrong. And friends, the church in America today is in bad shape because we spend no time in the Word of God. We can't discern what's right from wrong. We have to be in that if we're going to know it. False teachers had, had come in 
and they had basically said that there's, there's, there's more than what the church had received from the gospel of Epaphras that he had learned from Paul. And so notice here, this isn't, this isn't uh, it, it's important that Paul writes this way. They had said that, you know, there's, there, there's more you need to know, basically. There's more to it than this simple gospel that you received from Paul. Look what Paul writes. Look at, look at all these all and every words. In, one, in, in verse 9, he says, all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Uh, verse 10, to please him in all respects. Verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work. Verse 11, strengthened in all power and for the attaining of all steadfastness is patience. Do you think Paul was trying to make a point? What you need, you have in Christ. What you need, you have in the Word of God. What you need, you have in the Gospel. And friends, I want to tell you today, what you need, you have in Christ. What you need, you have in the Gospel. What you need, you have in the Word of God. All spiritual, uh, all that we need to, li- to please God and to know how to live for Him, we find primarily in the Word of God. Can other people teach it and help us? Yes. But where should we primarily look? To the Word of God. What is the measure by which we measure? It's the Word of God. It is the Word of God. There's two things here that Paul modifies this true knowledge of God's will. And he says that we should have spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. And I want to talk about those two things for a minute. Again, we're thinking of the cognitive side, uh, the knowledge growing in Christ by growing in our knowing and our understanding and our wisdom. And so the first thing he talks about here is this idea, this concept of spiritual wisdom. Now, wisdom is a word that we come across a lot in the Bible, especially through the Old Testament. In fact, we have books of the Bible that are called wisdom literature, and the concept and the idea of wisdom in the Old Testament it really kind of has its root in the idea of a skill, in a skill. So uh, back when God was going to have the, the tabernacle built and, and there were craftsmen that were, that were called upon to, to build the things for the tabernacle, it says that they had skill, the same word as wise they were wise. They were able to do it. And so as, as a craftsman could take a, a, a rough cut piece of lumber that looks like trash and work that into to something beautiful because they have the skill and the understanding to, to look at that and say, oh, there's something better here. So the idea and the concept that Paul is saying here is that we should have, by knowing the will of God, by understanding His Word, we should have the spiritual wisdom to get through life and please God. God will enable us to do that. God will help us to do that. God will empower us to do that. That we have that kind of wisdom. Second thing that he modifies this uh, knowing the will of God is this concept, this idea of spiritual understanding. So he says that we should have spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. And those two things sound fairly similar, don't they? that we would have understanding and that we would have wisdom. I think there is a a, a bit of a nuance here. 
While wisdom refers to um, kind of a skill in knowing how God commands us to live and that our lives would reflect that, and we would be able to, 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 to have a life that pleases God through making spiritual wisdom, by looking at spiritual wisdom. The idea and the concept of spiritual understanding is more to uh, insight or perception, um, discernment, that by knowing God's Word, we would be able to navigate through life. We would be able to, to understand things, this, this whole concept of discern, that, that we would be able to, to look at things and say, this is right, and, and this is not right, this is the path that I should go, and, and this isn't. And that comes by knowing God's Word. It also comes by listening to God's Spirit and by having fellowship with Him. There's a, a really interesting verse in uh, 2 Timothy that talks about the um, spiritual understanding, about understanding like this. Paul uses... Um, some analogies. He talks about a soldier and then an athlete and then a farmer. And then he says to Timothy, he says, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So Paul says, I'm going to give you these illustrations, and then the Lord will help you to figure this out. You, you can see this because you know him, you have a relationship with him, and you will be able to gain this kind of insight Spiritual understanding by nature is different than worldly understanding. Do we get that? Do we, do we understand that, that if we want spiritual understanding, the source by which we will find that is God's Word? The, the, the world does not promote spiritual understanding. If you're not spending time in God's Word, you're not going to be able to discern truth. You're not going to be able to live for the Lord. You're not going to be able to do that. If you're not submitting yourself to the teaching of the Word of God, if you're not submitting yourself to, to fellowship and interaction with other godly people, if you're not growing in how you do this, if you're listening to the world all the time, don't expect that you're going to grow in spiritual things. Right? I could go on with statistics. You know, most, most Americans will spend more time watching sporting events than ever attending any kind of religious... Christians, self-proclaimed evangelicals, will spend more time with sporting events than they ever will in the Bible or spiritual practice. Again, Paul writes to this church that's struggling. He writes to this church that has false teachers. He writes to this church that is very weak. And he says, what I pray for you is that you would know God's will that you would uh, have spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. And friends, I, I couldn't uh, just wake up one day and decide, you know what, I'm going to do brain surgery today. <laughs> I don't think anybody would volunteer. It's something that takes 
a lot of skill, a lot of practice, a lot of learning, a lot of dedication, a lot of money to be able to do that. If you want to wake up tomorrow and say, I am maturing in a Christian, it takes effort on our part. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? Are you a learner of Jesus, not just a follower? Don't don't get me wrong. We should be followers of Jesus. I'm not saying that's wrong, but when we just consider ourselves, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, it's very passive, right? When we say I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm an apprentice of Jesus, it changes the concept, doesn't it? Now I have responsibility in the relationship. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying, I'm trying to follow. I'm making effort. I'm doing that. Are we growing in Christ? And so the first thing that we see here is that how do we grow in Christ? How do we get to where we please Him? One is by learning the Word of God, by gaining spiritual insight, spiritual wisdom. But that's not enough. That's not enough. If you remember when we looked at James, it says the devil knows the Word of God and shudders. Um, there's, a, there's a concept here. I'll never know the Word of God as much as the devil this side of heaven. Knowing the Bible is not enough. Knowing the Bible is not enough. You could memorize every word of the New Testament and not be a Christian. But sometimes we think, I just got to learn more. I just got to learn. I just got to learn. I just got to learn. Sometimes we think in the church, if we teach, 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 and teaching is is, is vitally important. We're, We're called, again, to be disciples who make disciples, and part of that is teaching. But it's not just cognitive teaching. It's not just enough to to pump minds full of Bible facts that people can have Bible trivia and score really high. It's not just enough to to memorize Scripture. It's not just enough to do that. It's the, The Great Commission is teach them to obey. To teach in a way that produces change. To teach in a way that when we read the Word of God, when we approach the Word of God, as we take the Word of God in, as we gain spiritual insight, spiritual understanding, as we seek to know the will of God, we look at our own life and we say, okay, now because of that, I've got to do this. And it shows in how we live. And I've met many a Christian who have all the right answers and all the wrong life. True growth in Christ should not only, we should not only be able to look and say, am I learning more? But is my life becoming more like Jesus? Is what I'm learning changing how I live? That's our goal, right? That's what we want to see. We want to be more like Jesus. I, I love how it, how, it, how it puts it here. So this, the second thing that, that I want us to see from this text is that spiritual growth means walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and seeking to please Him. So the, the first side of what Paul says is, I want you to grow in what you know about God. Be able to discern, be able to have wisdom, be able to have insight. 
But secondly, I want you to grow in your life wanting to actually please the Lord, to serve Him, to do things that please Him. That the result of our maturity is not just what we know, but how we live. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, he begins it. He says, So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. And then he's going to give four ways in which we can do this. But before we look at those four ways, I, I want to think about this concept. We see this in the New Testament. Paul talks about it often, this idea of a walk, right? Of a walk. And so Christian growth, growing in Christ is much like growing as, as a human, okay? I didn't ever bring home any of my six kids, set them on the floor, and say, all right, run, <laughs> right? We know and we understand that, that it is, development is progressive, Right? That when someone comes to Christ, yeah, they're going to struggle. There's going to be new things that they're learning. We're going to see fruit because they're growing. But we should have a walk. He doesn't say a run. He doesn't say a sprint. He says a walk. Your life, as you think about it, are you growing in Christ, should be marked by the Word of God continuing to grow in you And not only the Word of God continuing to grow in you, but your obedience to that Word continuing to grow. And I'll just tell you right now, you're going to struggle. If you're you're truly in Christ and you're truly growing in Christ and you truly care about these things, you're going to really struggle because you're going to say, man, why do I keep tripping over this same thing? Why does this sin keep appearing? Why can't I just get control over my tongue? Why do I know not to do this, but it still keeps happening? Friends, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. What a bad sign is, is when you walk away and say, you know what, I just don't care anymore. Jesus is just going to have to accept me like this. The fact that you're struggling, the fact that you're working, the fact that you're, you're, you're working through something means that you're growing. Just as a child, just as, uh, you know, I, I help work with, with the kids with baseball, you know, just as, as making throws and hitting and working on the same things over and over again, it gets better and it gets better and it gets better. And we should be able to look at our Christian life and we should be able to look back and we should be able to say, I know more now. I'm continuing to grow. I desire to know more. We should look at our life and say, it's growing. My obedience is growing. Look at where I was and the things that I've struggled with. And, and God, I've got these struggles now, but I can see that the Spirit is working in me and that as I seek to follow you, it's happening and I'm growing and I'm bearing fruit, we should look and say, am I walking with the Lord? Am I walking with the Lord? And we should also have a desire to want to please Him. Do you want to please the Lord? Now, I'll tell you, there's a struggle in our culture with this concept and this idea of pleasing the Lord because we don't live in a shame-based culture like the first century. And so, like in Asia, there's a lot of, I, I, think, I think Japan is probably what we think of the most when we think about a shame-based co- culture. You know, the movies where it says, you dishonor me, you dishonor your family, you dishonor the name. Very much, this was a culture kind of like that. 
And so the idea is we want to please Jesus. We want to bring honor to Him. I don't want to do anything in my life, in the way that I live, in in, in what I do, that someone would say, Jesus, look at Bob. He says he follows Jesus. I don't want to do anything that would repudiate the name of Christ, anything that would give someone a reason not to love and know Jesus because of the way that I, I want to please Him. Do you want to please Him? Yeah, I want to please him. So Paul gives four things here that when we do, as we grow, we're pleasing the Lord. The first thing is that we please the Lord when we bear fruit in every good work. When we bear fruit in every good work. Fruit is a concept that you'll read about throughout the New Testament, this idea and this, this concept of fruit that we are bearing fruit. Jesus taught in John 15, he says, I am the vine... You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And this gives us a basis for the idea and the concept of fruit, that if we are in Christ, prepared to do every good work, how does Jesus minister to people today? Through us. He doesn't just like send down things and say, there you go, disconnected from the church. He ministers through the church. We're the hands and the feet of Christ, right? And, and, and He has called us to do good work. He has prepared us to do good work. We produce good fruit through abiding in Him, through serving Him, through wanting to please Him. The concept and the idea of fruit is throughout the New Testament. We're We're told in in many different places, if there is no fruit, we should question if there's faith in Christ. This idea of fruit, you think of of, uh, Jesus' parable about the seeds that are spread. And there's all kinds of different ways to look at that and think about it. But, But remember the good seed that fell on the good soil? It came up and it what? It produced fruit, abundant fruit. I believe it says a hundredfold. That's, that's, a, that's a good tree, right? Okay, some of you have, some of you have fruit trees that are, that are producing, you know, and, and I don't get a fruit tree because you do all this work and you wait three, four years and you get like six little things on it sometimes. But Jesus says good fruit as we look through the Bible, we could, we could, we could talk about fruit a lot, but I, I want to give you that there's, there's, there's mainly three C's of fruit. When we think about fruit in the New Testament, what is fruit? What is it talking about? Three C's. The first is Christ-like character. Second is Christ-like conduct. And the third is converts. That we can see fruit in our life. We can see fruit in Christ working through us as we continue to grow in the character of Christ being shaped by Him as we grow in the conduct, our life being obedient to Him, and as we are witnesses of Jesus Christ and people come to faith. Are you producing fruit? Fruit pleases God. Uh, the second thing, we, produ- we please the Lord when we increase in the knowledge of God. This concept of knowledge, I think, is different than what we already looked at when it said about the will of God and spiritual knowledge and spiritual understanding. Here, the, the idea from the, the, the Greek could mean that we are growing to know God better or that we are growing, or that we are growing by knowing God better. But the, the, the concept here in the original language is, is not that we're cognitive growing, but that we are growing in a relationship with one that we love. 
Do you love God? Do you love Him? Do you see Him as a, as a good Father that you love, that you enjoy, that you want to spend time with? When we have that kind of relationship, when we have that kind of mindset, when we desire to spend time with the Word of God, to get to know Him, to know what He says for our life, when we desire to pray, to spend time with God, it pleases Him. It's one way by which we can measure are we growing in Christ. On the flip side, if we look at our life and we say, I watch sports way more than I spend time with God. It shows us we're not growing in our love for Him. Uh, third thing here is that we please the Lord when we're strengthened by His power to be steadfast and patient. So it says here that we are strengthened by His power. Now, when I think about being strengthened by His power, you know, I'm thinking, all right, God's going to do some incredible things through me, right? Like I'm going to preach and 3,000 are going to get saved. I'm going to, you know, people are going to fall. On, you know, just all this stuff that you read about in the New Testament about the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and these things that were happening. But notice what Paul says, that the normative way in which we walk, that we please God, is not that God's doing these kind of things through us, but for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. So here's what it says. One way that we please God is that as we grow in how we know Him and we face the difficulties of life, as we face the difficulties of life and we remain steadfast, fast. It pleases God. Friends, some of you are going through some tremendous trials right now, some difficult seasons. Some of you have come through some, and we don't know when the next one will come. But if you are growing in Christ, if you are maturing in Christ, you should not be tossed by every wave. You should not be tossed by every difficulty that's going to come. You should be grounded and have a firm foundation that no matter what comes, Jesus, I will love you. Jesus, I will praise you. Jesus, I will remain steadfast. And the only way to do that is to know Him, to love Him, to experience Him. Right? Are you growing in Christ? Do you see that as difficulties come, you are less shaken because of your faith, because of your steadfastness in Him? Well, the fourth thing that, that Paul gives here, you find this at the end of 11 and through 12, it says, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Now, how do we go through life you know, we've seen this all over, it seems like, in the past year, this idea of grumbling. God doesn't like us to be grumbling, and this is hard for me. <laughs> it's, it's hard. You know all, the picture of all the Wilson men? I think, it's a, I think it's a genetic trait in Wilsons, just to grumble about anything. My wife's over there shaking her head. But as we know God, as we have joy in Him, as we're growing in the Lord, we should be able to face circumstances in life and weigh them and say, this really doesn't matter. Why? Jesus loves me. I've been called to share in the inheritance of life. If this is the worst I've got to go through, 
This is nothing. Having a hope in heaven puts everything in life in perspective. But if you don't have a hope in heaven, it puts everything in life in perspective. Friends, if you think that this is all that there is, I have news for you. You should be miserable. I have even worse news for you. Even if you think that this is all that there is, there is more. There is a heaven for those who love God, who who have called on Jesus Christ as their Savior, and there is eternal punishment for your sins if you have not. Anyone can trust in the Lord. Anyone can come to Him. Are you willing to trust in Him? Are you willing to follow Him? Are you willing to be a disciple? Are you willing to look at at who Jesus says that He is, at what the Bible says, that that you need a Savior, that you're a sinner, and, and that He has died for you, and to trust in Him and say, I want to follow you. I want to be your apprentice. I want to learn from you. I want you to take my life, and I want to follow you. For anyone who would, there's uh, what's holding you back from doing so. Oh, what a change it makes in your life. What a change it makes in how you're able to go through every situation and say, you know what? I can have joy in this because I know Jesus. Because this is the worst I'll ever have to endure. But friends, if you don't know Jesus, your worst days here are the best you have to look forward to endure. Oh, that you would trust in Him. You know, there's a lot of ways that I can tell that my kids are growing. Um, We just bought a big van because they had outgrown our expedition. So like the size of, of a Suburban was too small for us. Um, you know, the, constantly somebody needs clothes, their pant legs are coming up, they go to try on something they haven't worn last season, and you're like, oh my word, what happened? Right? I, I swear, whatever, whatever laundry detergent you're using, honey, the, the clothes are shrinking. Um, they're all shrinking. Um, Shoes. Every month, somebody needs shoes around my house because they're constantly growing. How are you growing? Are you seeking to grow in your knowledge of the Lord, in your obedience of the Lord? Are you seeking? Is that something that's even on your radar? Do you want to please Him? If you want to please the Lord, be intentional about seeking to grow as a disciple. Be intentional about seeking to know more about Christ. Dedicate yourself to, to attending church more often, to come to other times when we're teaching where you can continue to learn about the Lord. Submit yourself. Listen to, to good Christian uh, radio teaching. Submit yourself to, 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 to turn off the sports every once in a while and spend time reading the Bible and to pray. Seek the desire to know and to grow in Him and seek the desire that that what you take in about the Lord you put into your life. Would you bow your head and pray with me? As we consider this, I want to ask you a question. You know, what is it that the Lord 
has been convicting you of? Where is it that, that you have grown in your knowledge, but yet you haven't obeyed? You know, today, I'd hate for you to hear this message and to walk out and think, yep, I learned that, and not put it into practice. Oh, I pray for us, church, that we would not only be hearers, but doers of the Word of God. Perhaps today, today is the day that you want to give your life to Jesus. That you've realized that you need Him. That you want to follow Him as a disciple. That you want the hope of heaven. In a minute, we're going to have a song of invitation. I want to invite you, if there's a decision you'd like to make, if you'd like to talk even just more about knowing Christ, if you need to be prayed for, you can come forward. We would love to receive you and to pray for you and help walk with you in however the Lord's moving you. But today, if you're not ready to come forward with something like that, but the Lord is placing something on your heart, would you just commit to Him to do that? Pray with me. Father, I thank You that we grow. Maturity is a part of life naturally, but it's also a part of our spiritual life. Lord, I thank you that I know you more today than I did in 1994 when I became a Christian. I thank you, Father, that my life is more obedient to you today than it was in 1994 when I became a Christian. I thank you, Father, that my love for you my desire to know you, that all of that has grown. Father, in all of us, may we have this desire. May we desire to grow. May we be circumspect to look at our lives and say, are we growing in Christ? And through your Spirit, would you convict us? We want to know you, and I do believe we want to please you. Help guide us, Father, now. Help guide decisions to be made. Father, help Empower people through your Spirit today to make the changes that they need to make. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.